0: This is the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen to WRALSportsFan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now, here's your Canes Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Welcome to another edition of the Canes Corner Podcast for the first time. Sarah Sivian from The Athletic. Hi. Welcome.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me. Oh
0: man, this is uh this is a pleasure. Uh you came from uh from Boston and North Carolina before we get into the hockey. Are you acclimated? I know we're recording this on Tuesday. It's sixty some odd degrees outside. I know, I was nice. just
1: saying it's like I'm actually in North Carolina for the winter now. It actually, I have a cold brew coffee in my hand. It's, I could stay here. I could like this. Yeah, I'll get used to it. It's,
0: it's very good. You'll, we'll have, we have pockets of uh, you know upper 60s into, into December and in January, and then it'll snow twice, and it might even stick, depending on where you are. But you're used to snow.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm used to a lot of snow. I can definitely live with this. All right.
0: Well, uh, I hope you can. Uh, All right, we're at the quarter poll. We've gone 20 games. Team is 9, 8, and 3. Broad question kind of to start. Based on what you've seen from this team, and not what you think they can be, but what you have seen them do, should they be better than 9, 8, and 3?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, this team is one of the most mixed bag teams I think I've seen in a while. And I think that goes to speak about their youth. I think there are a lot of think. Maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe they are where they are right now because, I mean, you see somebody like Warren Fogle who's in the right places, doing the right things, not able to finish a chance. Right. And that just comes with age, probably. They're probably hoping that. And then, um, I don't know, that was a really strong start. That was really kind of false expectations. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They were going to
0: lose eventually.
1: Yeah, they were going to lose eventually, <laughs> but there were a few, I think – they have been giving a good effort, and I think the one that Rod got mad at is probably the one that right. was just the only one I'd see and think that's acceptable based on what I've unacceptable based on what I've seen about that team.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I read your piece in the Athletic, and I hope people subscribe. But we, uh, I think all of us here have been subscribers oh, since the thanks. Athletic uh, signed on. But uh, your uh, your piece about Rod Brindemore is now officially the head coach <laughs> of the Hurricanes because he finally got mad. Yeah, he has. I- I've known Rod a long time. And uh, he'd never—he got mad at me a few times back when he was a player, which is understandable. Um, but I haven't seen him mad as a coach. But he was Saturday against Columbus because it was first time the effort. No, nah, it was really pretty funny. In.
1: I was talking to Jordan Martinook earlier for a story that was completely unrelated to what I had actually written about in that, and he said. I was like, well, I just want to know what's different about Rod because everybody says he's different, et cetera, et cetera. And I decided to ask um, first-year Canes that had played for other coaches, and he said he's just the calmest guy I've ever seen in my life, especially on the bench. I've never seen anything like it. You look back and you don't see him shaking his head at you or anything like that. And so to see him hours later on the bench yelling like that, I'm like, (laughs) oh, this guy must be really mad at this team.
0: And it was justified because it was that rare game where they just don't seem to have that spark. Um, Like, I look at this team, and I want to move on to something else in a second, but I look at this team, and part of me is clouded by what I've seen in the past, uh, because we've seen a lot of the same things. But I've been uh, trying hard to realize just that this team is different, um, that Yes, they're younger, but a lot of teams are young. But they also have guys that are being asked to do things that they've never been asked to do before it, yeah. that uh that I think have certainly uh played a role in uh I mean after 40 and 1, you know, they're what are they 5 8 and 2.
1: Yeah, it makes you think how much it's like you love to see the team giving a full effort, but you wonder how much that can actually be sustainable success.
0: Uh-huh. You know, it's funny. Last year, and in the previous years under Bill Peters, um, Bill always said that when we're the hardest working team, we have a chance. And my comment has always was always, if that's your path to winning, that's not a viable path to win consistently. Because the other team—I know this is going to sound as a, like a breaking news story—the other team is also trying hard. So, big
1: if true, right?
0: <laughs> it, so it. Basically, if you match the other team's effort at the, if that's your if that's your baseline, we match the other team's effort and hopefully exceed it, but you have to be able to win games where you match it. I actually think they did that against the Devils and maybe they did that against the Blackhawks, maybe both times they played the Blackhawks, but maybe it also you're talking about two teams that really aren't all that great right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I keep saying it's too early, but at this point, we're, yeah, quarter in. it's Now it's you get to see, like it's at the Thanksgiving mark, you get to see what a team is actually made of. So I think these next few games, you actually get to, a sense of who they can stack up against and who they can't. And, I mean, they're winning most of the must-win games. But right. They're above 500 now, but just got to keep trying yeah. to get some type of – in the beginning of the season, Justin Williams talked about streaks. You got to keep some sort of winning streak here.
0: Yeah, somehow managed to scratch out a point in games where, like, it would have been really interesting if they had to, I hate to go back all the way to Winnipeg, had they scratched out the point at Winnipeg rather than lose that in regulation with a giveaway late. That Uh, that almost seems like that was sort of the, uh, that was almost the beginning of the end, but I mean, they played, I thought they played really well in Winnipeg against a team that could be playing for a Stanley Cup. You know, you know, five five months from now, yeah, and that was that a game. That was a tough trip. Oh, it was incredibly tough. And then the, the first game I thought that they were clearly not the better team was the next game against Tampa. Yeah, they uh,
1: traveled overnight, and that was just, you don't want to make excuses, you right. don't, but that was pretty tough. So I couldn't blame them for losing that. But then at a certain point, it's like, what can you blame them for losing for, and what does that say about their team? You
0: know? right. All right. I want to ask you this because uh, you don't have the, the scars of being of being being here for now uh what hopefully will not be a 10th consecutive non-playoff season. Uh so you you missed all the Cam Ward angst. You didn't you you weren't here when uh kind of people from the the stands had decided that Cam Ward was the reason they weren't making the playoffs. Um what do you think of their goaltending? This team's um, goaltending.
1: I have noticed. I saw on the, retin- the return of Cam Ward, everybody's takes on that. I was kind of just hanging up and listening there, and right. I got to see a front-row view of that. So, yeah, I definitely don't have those cars. <laughs> but what do I think the goaltending? I mean, you can't have three. It, it was funny today at practice. Rod was kind of laughing about it. Like, yeah, I like having the luxury of having three goalies, but, yeah, we probably can't keep this up. Right. Probably not. Like, And that's just how it is. I don't, I don't think it's helpful to any of them to have to – constantly be maybe wondering who's mm-hmm. going in who's not like and even with practice stuff it's like three goaltenders is crowded at practice yeah and, but what are you gonna do i mean that i don't think goaltending goaltending has been a reason for me, any of their losses maybe one or two okay. but i do think it could have been a reason that they won if it was a like Outstanding performance, if you know what I mean. Right. Like, and that just, they didn't pull out a win. And I don't know. I people in Boston had kind of a relationship with Tucker Ask where either he's the best in the world or he's the worst in the world. Right. So, it's and this kind year of, has
0: been a uh, yeah. tough go for him. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So it's kind of the same debate you get there with just like. What? How good does the goaltender have to be? And I think mm-hmm. everybody was in agreement that the Canes goaltender has to be league average. And I don't know. You just hope that Darling can pull out consecutive wins at some point because that just like seems like a milestone. Even if it's not, I mean, nobody cares yeah. about milestones really. Like Aho's point streak, whatever. Right. But it's just a confidence thing for the team and him. I think just win two in a row, and they know that you get to go with you.
0: I went and looked at it last year because I didn't realize it until maybe 60 games into the season that Scott had not won consecutive starts. And I thought, man, that's got to be – that's impossible for a goaltender who has started – he started half of Carolina's games last year to have not at any point won consecutive starts. Uh, And there were only three other goaltenders in the league last year that had played more than 20 games. That, had, that didn't win consecutive starts. Um, and he's had many opportunities. Uh, the game against, uh, which was, uh, was it Detroit? Detroit game? I'm trying to remember uh, exact, I think it was the Detroit game where he didn't win. He just, all three goals probably were. I mean, they're not bad goals, maybe a little softish, but um, he has to come up with that save. He has to, I mean, When was, uh, maybe this is the easiest way to put it. Has Carolina's goaltending won them a game this year?
1: No, I would have said the one that went into overtime where Darling stopped the two goals, but then they didn't win it. Right. So,
0: right. No, he, and he played that. Scott has had pockets. The game against Boston here, where he was phenomenal for a period and a half. And then kind of.
1: But then you get into people like Marchand. If he gets mad and he harnesses that, he's going to score a bunch of goals. But it's like, then you look at Carolina and you're like, is there any player that's dynamic like that? And then right. that brings you to a whole different issue.
0: Yes. I'm, I'm, that's what
1: that game reminded me of. It's I'm like, with what you. What player would break out and do something like that? And you start to think, I think this team could be primed for success later on when some of the youth guys kind of figured out maybe a trade's made or something right. like that. We'll but... talk
0: about that. I know you wrote about that uh, as well. Um, do they play better in front of Curtis McElhinney?
1: I got that vibe for whatever reason. Sometimes it's just, it's your night or it isn't, and right? you can't really explain it, but it, for some reason it honestly feels like that. <laughs> it just i I don't know what it is, but...
0: I mean, they didn't play great against the Devils. It was not a great hockey game. If I was going to show somebody who'd never seen the sport, that game might not have been the one I would, you know, hope that they saw because it was kind of stagnant. It's great first thirty seconds.
1: Yeah, good thirty seconds.
0: <laughs> uh, but after they that, the thirty first,
1: seconds for Devils.
0: The first period was actually kind of entertaining, up and down. There were, think, uh, more chances, uh, scoring chances in the first period than there were in the the last two combined. Um, but McIlhenny did his job, which is what this team needs. I just don't know what's going to happen when they get all three back. I don't. Either. And I know Mrazek was close to coming, is close to coming back. Yeah. Um, if if you were if 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 Rod asked you, <laughs> all right, Sarah, I need I need two goaltenders to take me through the rest of this. <laughs> who who are you telling him, Rod? I think you should take these two.
1: Well, I would say what he says that that's above my pay grade. But then I would say if I must. Um, well, you got to go Scott Darling just because he's getting paid a lot. It's, right. It just doesn't. It just Can we take hands. money out of it? Can we take money out take of it? Take money out
0: of the equation. Okay. Because this team really desperately needs to win. So and if the answer is still Darling, that's fine. Uh, but I would just to, to remove money from the equation, we can throw reality back into it later.
1: I don't even know if it matters. Like, okay. I'm just trying to think. I think give Mirazic a chance because he, I liked what he did with. Um, calling Waddell and right. saying he wanted the one year to prove himself. And he, you can tell I he's trying. I read today
0: in The Athletic.
1: <laughs> wow. I subscribe. read that today. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you can tell he's trying, which isn't uh, – come on, they're elite hockey players. Of course, you're trying. But yeah. I think he, he's somebody that could figure it out, get hot. But then you need somebody to who's going to play calm and consistent. And, I mean, McElhinney knows his place. Every time you talk to him, he kind of either jokes about it or just kind of is like, yeah, I – I'm living in a hotel with my family right, right. now, like I know, and <laughs> yeah. his Twitter bio is like, "I am a backup goalie for whoever needs me," or something like that. <laughs> for now, the Carolina Hurricanes. Right. So you can't expect him out that out of him to be a number one or a two in a rotation. I, I think you just got to go with Scott Darling. What do you think?
0: Uh I oh. think I don't believe the team really. If you put truth serum in their Gatorade bottle. I don't think they have confidence that Scott's the guy that can get them where they need to go. Um, personally, I, th- I, don't, I I'm not sure they have that guy. To be to be honest, I think we've seen we've seen pockets of really good from all three, and uh, the only one we haven't seen. What are you doing? Uh, is Mackelney, he has been I think the most consistent. Yeah, There's consistent not a variance sure. uh, with him, but he's also 35 and he's always been a backup, and he ain't gonna start 40 games this team. So he's going to be, to me, he's the the best backup yeah. goaltender. So now you have to decide on who am I going to give the lion chair of the starts to. If I had to, to say it right now, the guy with the worst numbers, I think, is their best option, and that's Mrazic, who's been a one, uh, and been good as a one, yeah. and clearly wants to get back to that. Uh, but then you have to go about the business, if we insert reality back, how do you, how do you deal with a Player with two and a half years left in a four million dollar annual contract. I mean, do you waive him and see what happens? Nobody's going to take him. And then when you wa- if you waive him, what do you do with him? Do you send him to Charlotte, where Alex Nedeljkovic has been playing almost every game for them? I mean, it it kind of throws your goaltending into a into like a tornado. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't know how they're going to handle
1: that. No, I don't either. That is. A great question that I would, that's why I'm not (laughs) (laughs) a GM or a coach or anything like that. That's one of many reasons, but geez, that is going to be tough coming out because it seems like not, there's no great answer, Mm. none at
0: all. Unless, unless simply you release Scott Darling and I feel Scott put in a lot of work and I like Scott a lot personally, I really do. Uh, seems like a, a fun guy to talk to, especially when things are kind of going well. But everybody's the same way. Um, it just it hasn't worked for him psychologically. It, it's funny. People think you, you you become like an amateur psychologist simply by pointing out, and I said I said this before the year, I said, all the numbers look great for Scott. I mean, he was, his numbers as a backup in Chicago were dynamite. I said, how is he going to handle the pressure of having the responsibility of being the guy? And to me, that's where he didn't handle it last year. He didn't handle the, the responsibility of winning. There is a responsibility of being the number one goaltender. Uh, Cam Ward was more used to that and had willingly accepted the subservient role. And that's the way it started until it was obvious that Cam was their better option, which frankly isn't great uh, going back and looking at it last year because Cam couldn't physically play that many times. Uh, but he had to because it gave the he gave them the better chance of winning most nights. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's the psychological aspect. Yeah. Darling made may, maybe he's just better as a backup. But I don't know how they get that out of him here.
1: Yeah, and I think the more they keep three goalies, the worse it gets for everyone, just because they they need to start developing some type of consistency and yeah. something at all. So, like, either Darling gets his two consecutive wins or somebody <laughs> jumps in there and gets to play for more than, like, one every three games. It yeah. just doesn't seem like something that is going to build up a goalie to go to the playoffs.
0: And also, I wonder how much scar tissue there is from last year. Uh, I don't think Bill Peters handled goaltending here uh, as well as he could have. Um, I Just, I mean, he did that with Eddie Lack. He, I've never seen. It was very John Tortorella like uh, when he lashed out at Eddie Lack two years ago here.
1: Oh, was that the make a effing yes, thing? Yes, it was. I've heard about that. We
0: all st- we stood there and we were, what is going on here? Because Lack was, I mean. I could make eye contact with Eddie Lack sitting in his locker, who's where uh, for people who don't know in the Hurricanes dressing room. Uh, one of the go- the goaltenders are on the, the top end on on either side of the horseshoe locker room, and Lack was on the far side, uh, and we were standing in the corner over by where the workout workout room is now. So I could see Eddie Lack straight straight ahead as Peters was losing it. Jesus. I mean Lack couldn't hear it, but I'm looking at Eddie Lack, who just could not have been a nicer guy. Uh, and yeah, Bill was lighting him up. Uh, lack handled it, uh, handled it really well. Um, but if you, your, uh, earlier point, the team needs league average goaltending. They do. They just haven't gotten it in terms of the metrics. Where are you by the way on, um, safe percentage goals, uh, goals against average as the indicators that, uh, of whether or not a goaltender is good or not.
1: Honestly, I don't, I mean, I like stats a lot, but I don't like using them to evaluate a goalie. You really need the full context. You need to see who's doing what on defense, what the pairings are for the goals allowed, right. who scored the goal from where. I think if I'm ever evaluating a goalie, I want to make sure that I actually am re-watch the game a few right. times, make sure I see everything, maybe put some video in there, because I don't think it's fair to a goaltender to just say, look at his percentage, look at his goals against. Like,
0: I knew we were going to get along. Oh, really. You're yes. in the same. Yeah, man. Look, people have been people ripped Ward for years, based on save percentage. Like, context, please. Yeah. Like he doesn't have six NHL defensemen in front of him. Uh, they're playing a poor style of hockey, giving up way too many chances. Um, there's a reason why the save percentage is low, and I I think to a, to an extent this year, it's the same. I mean, Murazik's say percentages eight eighty. That's not that's not winning goaltending, but I also don't blame really don't blame him all that much. I mean, I just they yeah. give up way too many way too many ridiculous <laughs> chances. That was the thing about the Devils game that I was so impressed with is that I can't remember a, a two on one they gave up, certainly in the last two periods. When was the last time we saw the Hurricanes not give up an odd man rush? Yeah,
1: I think the um, game against the Blue Jackets was the worst of the worst with that. Just right in the <laughs> slot, just every – Cam Atkinson like three times in the <laughs> slot. God.
0: And it wasn't like they didn't know that Cam Atkinson was good. I mean, the leading – his leading uh, goal scorer on that team coming in. Although Columbus – I mean, I'm not going to say out of nowhere because it's been 20 games now. But their offense has been tremendous. Yeah. And it's all over the place. they got five or six or seven guys who can play.
1: And now is hot again, so that's, yeah. they're going to be fine. But it just goes to show that that was kind of a game lost on defense and puck battle. So that's why I agreed yeah. with what Rod was saying, that it wasn't necessarily the goalie's fault. No. But maybe an elite goalie would have made the saves. But right. you can't expect—you just want league average here. In
0: a, an elite goaltender or somebody else's backup who Carolina saw— for, I mean, it's just, isn't it kind of weird that the backup goalies? All right, they all um, have
1: their best games <laughs> of their lives.
0: Sarah Sivian from The Athletic is here on the Canes Corner podcast. All right, Victor Rask is uh, hopefully on the way back. And for people who have uh, who have heard me talk about Rask or write about Rask, um, I've always liked him as a player. I loved him as a rookie. I remember the first time I, I saw him. Uh, and really got a chance to see him up close, Uh, his rookie year, it was like, where did this guy come from? Uh, On a team that had Eric Stahl in the lineup, they used Victor Rask in overtimes. Um, They, I mean, he was taking defensive zone faceoffs. As a rookie, Rask looked like he was headed for stardom. Uh, Second year, he put up 48 points, really good. And they gave him a six-year contract, which I criticized. Didn't mean I didn't like the player, but I just didn't understand what happened to the— you have a bridge contract for a reason, yeah. that option for a reason. So I criticized that contract, but I didn't I don't didn't dislike the player. He didn't handle the contract very well, or maybe he had other injuries. Uh, and he's had two kind of meh seasons in a row. But they need that player so badly um, for yeah, this reason. Up. Yeah. For this reason, because you you just said it, they have had six players play center for them this year. Only one of them is either not a rookie or has really played center before, and that's Stahl. Aho, Natchez, Walmark, Bishop, and Wah. They have five inexperienced <laughs> centers. I mean, yeah. that's like not having starting pitching in baseball. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, no, I do think even if he was having meh seasons before, it has to be better than no offense but somebody that should be in the hl right now right no offense of course but
0: to clark bishop and yeah, Nick yeah
1: but <laughs> like you were saying like they're doing things that aren't they shouldn't be asked to do right now just because out of necessity right. so i think somebody more used to the role more prime for the role even if he is meh is just like an upgrade from <laughs> what's going on here
0: wow that's if meh is an upgrade but i i i <laughs> I, I, I totally agree um what Rod t- Rod talked about options yeah. with with Rask and I wrote about this uh, my uh, my game day notebooks have have taken to becoming more rambling and then I do bullet points somewhere out of nowhere. I'm just trying to just I mean, there's put so info- much going on information. Here's information. <laughs> but I did get a chance to do a, a little bit more of an in-depth exploration about what Rask's return could mean and. Um, I think this will be the first time all year that Rod could look at a lineup, even though it's just an an average player at this point, and say, all right, now I have options to to really shake, shake things up. Do you see something like that happening with Rask's return?
1: Definitely. I mean, today I asked Rod where he saw Rask fitting in, and he said if at first maybe not. Maybe ease him into it, but then he said the more he plays, the better he's going to get. Like, he's been in that situation, right. so he knows. And he also mentioned maybe moving Aho to the wing. And
0: He did say that today. Yeah, okay. and I
1: don't know. Like, I'm like, oh, on that, because it, that's the first line that's doing so well. But, I mean, that's the first time I think Rod's probably been really open about trying things. So, right. I mean, you might as well—what's the worst that happens? It's not like it's illegal to change them back, so if it doesn't work, change it back. Right. I mean, I like the first line.
0: I, I like the first line too. Uh, I think ultimately, and I think part of it is that I don't want to I I don't want to criticize Rod for being a really good player. Uh, if not, I mean, it's a great player, and he was a great center and understands the position. Um, but this will be the first time Rod might be holding centers to a standard that they can't meet. Offensive responsibility. Right. And that's his worry about Aho, yeah. which is why he believes that Aho is better suited to being on the wing and being a dynamic player on the wing, while the first line has been really good. We have not seen Aho take over a game at all, really, this year. He's been very good, but all of those other things, I think, are kind of getting in his way to really letting it loose offensively with that said more than a point a game he's only scored 6 goals but he's more than a point a game and i guess 6 goals is fine um you would but you would he really needs to be in the 30s yeah. for this team to be there needs a, right. a goal
1: scorer like he obviously point per game with the assists and stuff too but he could be a goal scorer and he is but yeah i need more
0: than that so, that's a good
1: point especially cuz you know rods harping on him with the defensive stuff in Absolutely, the practice. and that might be tripping him up mentally
0: but it, There's so many things that are rushing through my head. But I actually think that ultimately what he's going to do is leave Ajo where he is. Because I think it's better for the long-term development for him. Because ultimately he is going to be a center.
1: He's only 21. Right. People forget. I forget that every game.
0: Right. I think the more likely scenario is that uh, they ultimately bring Natchez back and move him to the wing and Rask would give them the opportunity to have another offensive line so Natchez doesn't have yeah. to play with a wah or a bishop yeah. and so something something like that.
1: Well, you know what? That's what Rod says, too. They put him down mostly because his own development and he needed to get harder to play against, but also because it didn't make sense for him to be in that role. He's not a right. checking forward. <laughs> like, that just, I think, a skill, a scoring line is what they need, and I think he could definitely contribute to that more. Yeah,
0: and if, and if you're down the middle with – Aho, Rask, Stahl, and Walmark. You're still dealing with two players who are new to the NHL at the position. But I actually think Walmark's been one of their best forwards. I was just
1: going to say that. He gets so many like expected goal chances. Right. and I think once Svechnikov and maybe the whole line, just a little more, I think I feel like they're just right there. They just need a few yeah. more games to have things actually click for them.
0: Right, so I talked to Eric Cole about Svechnikov. Um, and Cole as a rookie, uh, wasn't really producing a ton of points, and then all of a sudden it clicked. He said once that once you get that game where it clicks, then it doesn't become easier, but your confidence goes up, and all of a sudden, all right, now the the goals, you should say expected goals, those start coming. I think that's on the way for Svechnikov. Definitely. still makes. Way too many mistakes for Rod.
1: Yeah. And you know what? That is so. It's just what happens when, especially when you're an international player. The international rules are kind of different. Right. Like sometimes I'll see him. In international hockey, if you get your mask off, it's a penalty. So I'll see him, like, his helmet might be falling off or something. He just runs to the, bo- the boards, and I'm like, this guy's so young. He's going to be so great. He needs to make these mistakes. But the high-sticking and stuff like that, that's kind of different in international yeah. hockey, too. And that's the penalties he keeps kind of getting, slashing. But mm-hmm. that's just obvious rookie stuff. And if Rod's going to stay true to Rod's brand of letting them make mistakes, yeah, yeah he's not going to move him up to the first line.
0: No. Uh, and – but but you know he's getting his power play time yes. uh he's he
1: looks better and better every game er,
0: er, every game and part of me wants to see Martinook Walmark and Svechnikov stay together yeah i like that. cuz i line. think it's been a good line yeah. you know it's funny uh, you you and i are both active on twitter at uh s a r a c i v on twitter uh and i know what i get from people who want to see Svechnikov play on the top uh, on the top line i'm like you realize that the line he's playing on, arguably, over the last three weeks, has been their best offensive line. I know they're not scoring, but in terms of creating opportunities, I mean, if Svechnikov had created had converted some more of the opportunities, you'd be going, wow, these guys are scoring like crazy because they're getting as many chances as anybody.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Walmart is right there, too. I think he's going through maybe a little frustrating period sure. of – being right out in front of the net and just can't bury it but I think I would look out for him to start. Mm-hmm. When once they start, I think they're just going to keep going. Right.
0: And so but to lengthen them down the middle would be would be good. I would leave Aho there. Uh, I know they think that Natchez is going to be a top one or two center in time, but Rod Rod does not think that time is now, which is why he's in Charlotte. And I think if they bring uh if they w- once they put Rask back on the ice, it'll give them some fr- freedom to just move move guys around. Oh, we don't yeah. have a spot at center. Uh Marty play the wing. Yeah. Uh what do you think about Williams the captain Justin? this guy, 37 year old. I love him. I he's a, I mean just, oh, I'm yeah. so glad he came back 2 years yeah, ago.
1: Yeah, really fun to talk to. Yeah,
0: and he's smart and he, he's very thoughtful. He doesn't you know, he doesn't BS you. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. No, right, no, it's I mean the honesty and it's it's interesting to me is that uh, Moore and Williams were an incredible tandem on the ice together. And I see that same connection, coach and captain. Um, what do you think about moving Williams off of, essentially, a checking line into a more offensive position? Well, where would he go? Well, could you play him with Rask and then another wing, even Svechnikov? But Svechnikov on his left side. I'm playing with Rask and Williams to create more of an offensive line because to me, I think Williams' best asset is his passing. Oh,
1: definitely. He needs to be able to set up people that can finish.
0: So it's one thing that Svechnikov should be able to do, and I do think also that it's something that Rask is good at when Rask is playing well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought about this before, Like, but like what you said, when Ras comes back, maybe the floodgates open in that aspect, like Rod will start trying
0: I think all these gonna, options.
1: Yeah. And that's certainly one that is a good one to try. Right.
0: I mean, you, I know you wrote about Tavo Taravan and uh, the feisty... Table yeah, of yeah, was, that's what Ferland called him, right? Yeah,
1: I was talking to Ferland. I wasn't expecting him to talk about Teravainen. I was thinking he was going to say, "Oh yeah, I love playing with Aho," and he did. But then he was like, "He's fight He just kept going feisty, feisty. I'm like,
0: what? All right. <laughs> all right. I'm all about uh, I'm all about him being feisty, um, but the I just don't. If people want Rod to change everything up. Until Ras comes back, I just don't know what options
1: exactly. there are. It, it, that's the thing, too. And then you think about the power play, and it's like, okay, yeah, everybody wants to move this unit around, this unit around. It's not. I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. <laughs> they just have to be better. Like, right. That's just, they just have to play better. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think moving the puck quicker is yeah. is better, but uh, I also think that when, when Ajo starts scoring goals, it'll – Everything will seem a lot easier. Yeah,
1: well, he paces the team. That's what Waddell said too. When he's scoring,
0: yep. they're winning. It's it's it really isn't that complicated. At times, it can yeah. seem like a uh, a complicated game. Um, all right, so uh, we're sitting here and it's twenty games in. Uh, we've got Aho with uh, six goals, and everybody's thinking, "Well, it's time for a trade." I know you wrote about it that so you uh, you uh, had a list of players most likely to least likely. Yep. There seems to be only one, probably, and that, is, as much as we love Red Pesci, but uh, the contract makes him very attractive. He can play in your top four on defense. Uh, a team like Toronto, which is the Hurricanes in Toronto have been linked for months yep. about to be uh, over. <laughs> Michael Nylander. Um Do you see something like that <laughs> happening? I guess I have a hard time seeing it happen. I don't
1: think... Toronto's going to trade lender I just I think they're either going to let him sit it out, or they're going to sign him, or I think the December first asking... is the uh, yeah.
0: That's the deadline.
1: Yeah, I think the asking price would be more than Brett, but I think it would include Brett, and it would have maybe a prospect or a few picks. Right. And I don't. I can't see. I just can't see it happening just for myself. For like whatever reason, I can't really explain. But I. I think it, sh- it should.
0: <laughs> uh, well, the I mean, we is Toronto- really
1: good, though, and I think I I think I might be understating that and what I've been writing and stuff. But he's really good, and mm-hmm. he would make a direct impact on this team. Right. So I think you gotta trade somewhere where you have depth in the blue
0: line. I, look, I have no problem if they wanted to do that. If if Carolina wanted to do that, I actually read that uh, that Dougie Hamilton would be an interesting. Uh, part of that trade. I
1: read that too. I don't know. I don't know if they're just going to trade him again.
0: I mean, th- at that point, if if you're 25 years old and you're traded for a third time, that at some point that becomes something about you. Yeah. Right? And I'm not sure that it should be. So I, I don't think anybody is under the illusion that Dougie Hamilton has been uh, a even a B plus level of Dougie Hamilton here yet. He just he, it hasn't happened for him.
1: Yeah, and part of that's the way he's been played. Like maybe in the beginning when he wasn't getting a lot of power play time right. and stuff like that, and the minutes he hasn't exactly been getting. But when you're on such a deep blue line like this, you gotta fight for the minutes.
0: Right, and I, I also think that he just didn't play well with Slavin for some reason. And Jacob Slavin, I know you've he is an elite. I rem, I, I want to talk about <laughs> Jacob the,
1: Slavin is <laughs> my I mean, player in this team.
0: He is. He 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 really is. And I I I particularly enjoyed. Uh, the uh, the built bewilderment in on Toronto Maple Leafs Twitter when like uh, no no he's not going to be <laughs> traded for Michael Nylander because Slavin's the better player. <laughs>
1: oh, they were mad. Oh
0: my gosh, they lost their minds. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, watch him play and people will figure it out. Uh, and there's there's more offense from uh, that is going to come from him too. I like the fact that he's getting power play time. Oh yeah, uh, he's arguably on the top unit. Um, I, I almost want to see them put Hamilton and Falk together at the top unit, and let Slaven be the only defenseman on that side on the uh, on the other unit. But uh, I'll let Rod uh, deal with those combinations. He's not he knows he knows a lot better than I do about what's, <laughs> what what uh, what works and and why he wants it. Um, but what if it's not Nylander, And I agree that the Hurricanes, while they have a lot of depth in their system and there are good players, there are no elite players right now playing for Charlotte. Zero elite players. Um, and I, while they hope that Nature's is going to be that, and they hope that Svechnikov is going to be that, Nealander is a lot closer to being that. If you can trade from a strength and bring him to the organization, I do think that the bigger roadblock to that is once you once you trade for him, now you got to sign him. Yeah, and he and Aho are kind of waiting on each other. Aho's not exactly. going to sign a contract until Neilander does. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, do you bring them
0: both into the office and yeah. say, "All right, here it is"? Oh, well, what do you do? What do you do there? I know
1: that's tricky, especially with Neilander. I, I mean, you've heard the reports that he wants more than Pasternak, and Pasternak's make has what fourteen goals, seventeen goals, something crazy like yes. that. It's like, and Pasternak does have a really, really team-friendly deal.
0: Yes, but, signed what three years ago or two years ago. So, yeah, yeah,
1: but just definitely. And it's it's kind of a weird time in the league right now with all the the cap ceilings kind of getting higher and people are wanting more money and they deserve to get more money for putting their bodies on the line, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. But you're kind of at a impasse, kind of in between where we know what we should be spending on these guys and what we shouldn't, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it cracks out.
0: Yeah, the um. Pasternak's contract, which is about six and a half million a year, I believe. Yeah, six point six. Um, to me, I wrote er- earlier in the season that if you're Aho, if you're the team, that's where that's your starting point <laughs> yeah. for Pasternak. The advantage is that if Aho's going to be a center and Pasternak's a wing, then maybe that number bumps up just a little bit. Yeah. Um, I also wrote last year that if I were the Hurricanes, I wouldn't mind waiting, because you don't want to pay somebody who maybe won't take the We we think that Aho is going to take that step and be uh, a point a game guy, but we haven't seen it yet. So until that happens, it's kind of hard to say. Oh, it will happen, uh, because in, in all of sports, some guys get to a certain point and they can repeat that year after year after year, but they don't necessarily exceed it. So uh, I've always I have a, a motto uh, that you never want to pay good players great player money because ultimately that hurts you. Um, but they've got if if they made this trade they would have two guys to pay, and that would be that would be pretty difficult uh considering what nealander who also has not cracked sixty points uh considering what he does uh what he appears to want what do you think about uh we'll close on uh close on this uh is this a playoff team
1: it could be yeah, it could be um i think a lot is dependent on the strengths of the teams around the league in general. I saw a really good tweet the other day, and it said, your favorite player isn't bad, just everybody else is better or something like that. <laughs> and it's like that is how I kind of feel about this. I don't feel that way about this team, but that's – if they don't make the playoffs, that's why. It's like they're trying, and you see flashes of brilliance in Aho, And, I mean, I love the way Furlan plays. I think that's somebody they've desperately needed. And I think if they're going to make the playoffs, it's because of – a guy can finish it off like that, and I think it's because if Williams stays consistent and he doesn't look like he's it, like, in terms of how old he is, I think he's doing fine, actually. I think he's getting criticized a lot just because it's easy. but Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he needs better—not better line mates, but more suited to him. And if he does that, I think uh, what, the passing, like what you said.
0: Which is w- w- something I've been kicking around, is getting him off—I mean, I realize— Stahl's the only other guy uh, among the skaters who's north of 30. So maybe you want to have Justin, uh, like yeah. somebody, they can discuss music or whatever uh, <laughs> on the ice. But I've, I do think that Williams would be better suited, uh, I mean, even if he was playing down the lineup a little bit, but playing in a more offensive situation. Yeah. I also think you would get more out of that. Uh, I love Martinook with Walmark and Svechnikov, but if you put Williams there... Do you get more offensively out of Svechnikov and even Walmart than you are with Martinuk? I don't know. The dynamics of the way Martinuk plays are obviously very, uh, very helpful, but he got off to such a good start. Scoring, I thought, oh, well, this is going to (laughs) continue. He'll score. No,
1: that's that's what happened with a lot of the (laughs) players, I think. So if they can find that again, if that's something to be found, yeah, I think it's a playoff team. And I think it's just, I mean, it was so important they got off to a strong start, and now they're just going to have to get into some – winning streaks again like like Justin said it's all about streaks and the losing ones can't be as long the winning ones have to be longer just obviously but it's I think over the next month you see your your wins and losses streaks and then you can be able to quantify something like that what do you think
0: I don't think that well last year they didn't win I don't think they won five in a row once they've won four in a row once this year they had a five game point streak I think they're their longest streak last year was either five or six, but it was only one of them. Um, they have to figure out a way, and I think this next stretch, with Toronto and Florida here around the holiday uh, and a quick road trip, and then the West Coast, right? Yeah. You know, come back, play in, and then you go, you go west. Um, they have to figure out in the next eight or nine games how to get to four games over as opposed to where they are right now, which is one game over. Um, They have to get to that point by the middle of December. Otherwise, it's just too hard. Um, I I mean, I think they need to make a trade. I don't think they need it to be Nylander.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't think so either, but I know that um, Don is looking at not just Toronto.
0: Right. So that's good. (laughs) There are other teams in the league?
1: Well, uh, How does this affect the Maple Leafs? Hur-
0: uh, hurricanes history, there was a time where they only traded with the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> I once joked with Jim Rutherford. I was having a conversation with him. We were actually on the radio having uh, having him on, and the phone rang, and they had made like four trades in a row with Philadelphia, uh, and the phone rang, and I uh, I said, well, that's probably Bobby Clark on the other line, so why don't you, you go take it? And uh, I saw him like two days later, and he goes, it was <laughs> <laughs> so, and like, and Ron Francis was doing was making trades only with Chicago for a while, like so. Yeah, it would be great to look at uh, all the other teams, and we traded with Calgary. So, um, Jeff Skinner's got what fourteen goals? Yeah,
1: yeah that wasn't gonna happen here. Even <laughs> I get that sense. Even I get that sense. I've been here for two months. But right. It's it, just
0: <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, and uh, and Lindholm. It's the one the one aspect of the trades that they made that hurt. I thought this team the most because Lindholm was so versatile. You could play him in the middle, could play him on the uh, on the right side. Uh, But to get Furland and Hamilton, who I think ultimately will be fine here, Fox Uh, and and Adam Fox, right? I know him. Who is killing it right now? Yeah, yeah.
1: I know him from Harvard. I used to go around cover the college hockey, and he is just even without all the points, he's just a dynamic puck mover and going to be someone special if they can sign him.
0: I thought. What did I see going to
1: the NHL today? I, really, I never say that about prospects because I have a college hockey background and I've seen so many mm-hmm. just float around the AHL for four years and call it a day. But I, he could play in the NHL
0: today. Well, in half the games, he's, I think, among the leaders in scoring in the N- yeah. NCAA right Top now. Top
1: six, and he's a defenseman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Crazy. has played half of the games yeah. that the other guys had. Uh, Sarah Sivian from the Athletic. Thank you so much for doing it. Yeah, thanks I appreciate for having it. me. I'll see you on uh, on press row. Although uh, Alec and I hang out in that little radio room. Oh yeah, we just were kind fancy of, little room. Yeah, it is a fancy little room. Uh, thank you so much for doing it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: That's this week's Cane's Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina Hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Cane's coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Cane's Radio Flagship. 99.9 The Fan.